So the the mic, if you just wanted to there like this, go. yeah, all right, yeah, very good, comfortable. Yep. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to a Mo Show special. We are in Jitex uh, for this 2022 edition uh, of this exhibition. It's uh, it's a real honor for me to introduce the CEO of Autonomous, Mr. Joseph Bradley. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have I have a couple uh, questions that are you know more on the you know, detailed, intricate side. But before we sure. jump into it, I wanted to just you know on the surface, what does yeah. a typical day look like for you at Neom? Well, you know I. Think about Neom is a pretty amazing place. It's the most diverse place I've ever worked at. I mean, 45 plus different nationalities. You can go into the cafeteria. And it's almost a, a blended hum with the, the myriad of languages that are being spoken to. There's a, a buzz, a sense of purpose, a strong you know drive to get things done. Uh, it is a construction camp. There's things moving and um, there's a youthful excitement. Uh, there's about 2,000 employees that live in Neom. There's a school for uh, those employees and, and the kids that uh, go there. And so youthful, exciting, uh, energetic, uh, multicultural, inclusive, diverse. Uh, that's that's a typical a typical day. Anything like you've ever seen before? No, I think, you know, um, it's pretty powerful when you get a diverse group of people all pulling together in a in a common core direction. And I think that, you know, companies aspire to that. Companies aspire to have everyone get behind a, a core theme or a core vision. But this is something that's pretty special. The team started out small and now it's grown. Um, and uh, now I, I, I feel very, very humbled and very fortunate. And I have to say, and the, the Saudi people have welcomed me and my wife and my family uh, unbelievably. I mean, such a warm uh, feeling, and it's definitely sort of like a second home to us now. It's amazing to hear. Autonomous, you know, you can't take a step in any direction without seeing some autonomous branding. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean? Well, the T in autonomous obviously is about technology. But what about technology? Well, it's autonomous, meaning that the technology isn't in your face. It's working autonomously behind you. And then the most important is the us part of autonomous, which means you, people, putting them in the center. So really simply, it means technology working for us. That's autonomous. Got it. Um, you know, we hear about smart cities. Yeah. Uh, there are cities in the world. Dubai comes to mind, Singapore. So we know about that. But now the new kid on the block is cognitive cities. Yes. And I think you might have something to say about that. Yeah, you know, we're super excited. I think uh, if you think about what we learned from COVID, we learned that real-time information is too late. <laughs> Once the damage is done, is damage is done. And smart cities were all focused around real-time information, uh, single transactions. A cognitive city is one that's predictive, it's proactive, it understands you, it's built all around you, 360-degree learning loops. So it's the natural evolution or the natural advancement, really, of uh, a city. A billion dollars spent in 2022 um, in, in the AI field of Neom, as far as the consumer is concerned, me, what kind of touch points or where will I feel that investment? Yeah, so I think the obvious answer is if you think about how you will first experience Neom. So when you think about the experiences you're going to have coming to Neom when we are ready, you're going to have a, a experience where it's frictionless. So you drop off your your luggage at your home. Your next time you see your luggage isn't in the airport. You're not dragging it through. You're not waiting for it to come down, waiting on a taxi. Oh my God, then you finally get it and take it into the hotel room and unpack it. No, you'll see your luggage at the home and it'll show up for you in your hotel room. In other words, you see it by eliminating friction. You'll see it by giving you back more time and you'll see it by creating what we call moments of truths. That means better time for you to have special interactions with people that you know, you don't know, your friends, your families, to uncover what really makes us human, that, that connection. So you're kind of like re-engineering um, the, the, tr the travel industry and how the consumer you know, goes about going through an airport or arriving at an airport, like you're kind of redoing it all over again. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about 
cognitive technology is it's a foundational technology, meaning that think of it as a bunch of Lego blocks. <laughs> and as you put those Lego blocks together, you can use it to create a variety of different things. Tourism is clearly one. There's other things around enterprises, as an example, how an enterprise goes about creating products or solutions. Um, it also gets into manufacturing, it gets into technology. It touches all of our lives. And so the cool thing about cognitive technology is it's fundamental building blocks put together to actually create new experiences that you never before thought were possible. Yeah. The metaverse has a role to play uh, in Neom. Uh, what's the vision with metaverse and Neom moving forward? So when you think about the metaverse, it's not a game. Everybody thinks about, oh, you know, it's going to be a, a gaming situation. No. COVID stopped the world from moving, meaning touching, feeling each other. The metaverse is a way for us to connect, feel by bridging the physical and the digital divides together. It's, it's a way for us to not simply replace a hello with, are you on mute? Are you on mute? The first application of metaverse is happening as we build Neom today. So the line is a great example. You know, 170 kilometers long, 500 meters tall. How do we know that within every key aspect of the line, you can walk to it within five minutes? Because we've done it. Well, what do you mean you've done it? It's not built. Because we've used metaverse technologies to model what that experience will be like as we design. So we're using that right now in the construction of Neom. It's where it's primarily being used. And then also it will be used, obviously, in creating new experiences, gamified education, um, the ability to access talent on demand, um, the ability to be able to experience living in Neom virtually and physically before you actually purchase the apartment itself. Those types of things. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, the, the line excites me so much. Yes. I, I get giddy every time I see pictures <laughs> of it. And I read that within five minutes, you're within your daily essentials, whether it's grocery schools or, and, um, and, and that really revolutionized the way we go about our lives. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, time is, time is scarce. And anytime you can give a parent, you know, 10 minutes more to spend with their children or uh, a husband and a wife to spend together, that is, those are moments that you just can't wait to see what comes out of that, right? And so giving people back time, I think is one of the best things that a cognitive city in, in this technology will be able to do. Yeah. You mentioned COVID briefly. I wanna go back to a bit of research I did coming up to this uh, sure. episode with you. Uh, cognitive data prediction could have neutralized, predicted, or even debunked COVID is something that I got off. Uh, is is that true? Like, um, would we be able to have combated? Could, could we have predicted it, uh, knowing uh, what we know now? You know, I think um, it's easy to look back and say, look what we could have done. I mean, who knows? I will tell you this: what we do know, what we do know is is that the more minds that you can put on a problem, the more talent, the better your chances of solving that problem, solving that solution. In a cognitive city, it by definition is inclusive. That means the fabric of the city is designed to drive full participation on a global scale, whether you're in the city, whether you're outside of the city. And so by bringing together the smartest minds and by allowing a common data architecture, you have to believe that the chances of us being able to come up with a solution faster or quicker or seeing what's gonna happen would obviously be better. Now, would it be better in the case of COVID? You know, hey, I don't have a crystal ball, but you have to believe that the next one, the next thing that happens, we should be able to get much better at it and get ahead of it. Um, products and solutions uh, at Autonomous. Can you talk a little bit about what products and solutions we can see there? Yeah, we're, we're super excited. You know, when Autonomous, as I talked about technology working for us, is ultimately about what are the problems that we can solve? So let's talk about one that you need in a cognitive city. Trust. Without trust, you don't get data. Without data, you can't create value. So we're going to be solving for how do we create a consent management platform that allows you to know exactly who's using your data, why they're using your data before you give information to it. That's one. Huge amounts of data being produced in a cognitive city, 90% of data. Well, how do you get that data in a way that allows data scientists, software developers, programmers to be able to quickly do it? Think about what Netflix is to movies. We have a solution or a product that will be the same with data only, allowing you to search and see what's going on very, really, really quickly. What about natural language processing? So 
if you're going to have all these different nationalities and all these blending, wouldn't it be great if I can speak my language and you can speak in your language? No need for an interpreter and we understand what's happening. We have a solution that's aiming to solve that problem, which we're super, super, uh, really excited about. And then we have the metaverse, right? We, we talked about, which is the ability to take a physical object, digitize, represent that virtual representation of that object, and then allow you to go in between both worlds. So to have a hologram, you'd be sitting in your desk in New York and be able to hologram an image into Neil and be able to communicate and interact with folks. Very, very cool. Mr. Bradley, you've been in Saudi long enough to know how tech savvy we are. Um, all the metrics point in that direction, our YouTube consumption, Twitter, having Snapchat, Saudi is one of the only reasons keeping Snapchat alive today. <laughs> um, what kind of job opportunities are out there for the tech savvy Saudis who want to enter the, the, the ecosystem or the world of Neon? Uh, it's open. Amazing. So um, if you're interested in software development or programming or artificial intelligence, machine learning, we have all those jobs available. But if also, if you're not technical, let's be clear, rise of the humanities. It's not about the answers. It's about understanding what questions you should ask. So if you're into uh, sociology or humanities, we want you as well. We want that different type of thinking. So we have full uh, range of opportunities, both on the technical side and driving this cognitive technology on the more humanity side with understanding uh, customers and their perceptions of what's happening in the world around you, and even on the financial side and analysis side. So we're innovating across the spectrum. Do you mind if I uh, give you a few personal questions? Sure, sure. What was the biggest challenge you faced in your career so far? Well, I'll tell you right now, man, uh, building a futuristic city that's never been done before <laughs> has got to be right up on the list. <laughs> it's definitely uh, probably the, one of the more difficult challenges. Um, I think uh, we rolled out DSL for California and the U.S. was was a huge had an opportunity to do that. Um, started the Internet of Everything at Cisco. That was a, a big challenge as well. I think if you just if I kind of took back from the specifics, I would say that probably the biggest transition that I would you know ask, tell young folks to young people out there uh, trying to understand, you know, what does it take to get to the next level? Doing things when you're an individual contributor, making yourself great, that's the easy part. Yeah, that's table stakes. But can you come a part of a team and can you elevate the performance of that team? That is a transition that is immensely important. And I think about every transition I've done in my career, that team size growing or that team dynamics changing has always represented the best fun, but also the most challenging. Yeah, I guess that's also where leadership plays a role. Hugely. You know, are, are you able to get your team to gel and, and, and follow you? And, um, and, and that's what that comes down to. Um, after one of those 17 or 18 hour days, you mentioned you have your family with you in Neom. Yeah. Um, what do you do to de-stress? Well, I tell you, you know, you got to take care of your body, mind and soul. And uh, so uh, I work out uh, every day. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge stress reliever. Uh, meditation uh, is also uh, a big part of uh, uh, my life. And then being focused, right? Being in the moment uh, with your family and friends. I mean, put your phone down, uh, have a conversation, uh, you know, stay in the moment is, is really important to me. Someone very wise once said to determine the quality of your life, turn off everything, sit with yourself in silence. That right there is the quality of your life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was told that your father and grandfather both had a strong influence on you. Yes. Any advice or learnings that you can share with us? Yeah, you know, uh, two incredible. My dad's still alive. I, I lost my grandfather. But uh, one thing they, they both stressed, actually, was um, what they would call, you know, being a good person, being a good individual. And both my, both my dad and my grandfather would ask me when I came home from school, you know, Joseph, what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to have good character? And I'd give him a bunch of different answers. And then right before my grandfather passed away, he told me the answer. And he said, you know, being a good man, being a good character is what you do when no one else is watching. And, you know, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, living your life to the fullest, not expecting anything, doing the right thing for others and getting fulfillment out of that moment. And so that's that's one of the things I, I pass on to my kids and, and folks that I talk to. Amazing. We're very lucky to have you as, as, as part of our country in some way, shape or form. Thank you. Um, and I know you have a very busy schedule today. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. And hopefully we get a chance to talk again soon. All right. Thank, thank you, you very so much, much Mr. Bradley. Thank you.
Okay, I'm back. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to our second special at Jitex here with Autonomous Neom. I have Miss Beverly Ryder. She is the Chief Commercial Officer and Chief Marketing Officer at Autonomous Neom. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Beverly. Thanks, Mal. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know your, your schedule is busy. We'll try to be brief and, um, and get as much as we can out of you. Okay. Um, Beverly, you've been at, um, at well, Neom in, in general for about uh, what my research told me about a year and a half so That's far. That's correct, yes. What was, how would you summarize the last year and a half in totality, would you say? Wow, it's a roller coaster. Um, I would tell you that we're moving so quickly that sometimes you forget how far you've come. And, you know, being part of Neom, it's such a world changing, life altering experience. For me, it's my last job I'm going to have. And so I was super excited to come and be part of something that could change the world. And I'm watching it happen in front of my eyes. Where's where in the U.S. is home? Well, that's an interesting question. Born in Pennsylvania on the East Coast, grew up in Seattle and now live in Florida. So I've seen it all. God, you, with, with you saying Florida, I just I just worry that, you know, you really oh. are pl planning for retirement. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really am. So so the, the Neom camp reached out to you and said, you know, we have this project for you uh, all the way in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So what happened is they saw me on the Internet. I was um, doing a bunch of public speaking at the time at major conferences around the world talking about innovation and technology. And they saw me and they reached out. And then um, after a year of coaxing me from Hitachi, I um, came over. Well, that's exactly where I wanted to start. You yeah. served at the top level at companies like Hitachi, mm -hmm. like GE, like Ericsson. Can you give us a bit of insight uh, on, on, on what kind of professional experience you've experienced in your two decades serving in those companies? Oh, wow. Well, you were just nice and just lowered my age. So I appreciate <laughs> that. It's actually more like three decades now. Um, I've just been really lucky. I started out as a business marketing and finance major. I then got to work for one of the largest companies in the world, Procter & Gamble. And I loved it so much. But the part I loved about it was the legalities of the sale. And so I went to law school. I got my legal degree, um, went into telecommunications law. And within, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I was back out with the salespeople. And so I was out there doing sales and doing commercials and and really understanding what the customer liked. And I liked the customer so much that they gave me a sales team and I haven't looked back since. Wow, that's amazing. From from my experience with some of my lawyer friends, I remember back in school, university, they used to study the most. I didn't have any friends yeah. studying medicine, but but the lawyers, they would just read nonstop. Did you feel that that benefited you going into sales? Yeah, you know what it did is, um, so I don't know what the law is like studying it somewhere else other than the United mm. States. But in the United States, it's about breaking down the individual to think differently and then to start over in their thought processes. So what it did is it made me not intimidated by any audience. I've met with presidents and kings and prime ministers now with the tops of every company almost in the world. And what it allowed me to do was feel that I could talk to them and that they were real people. And I think when you start with the human element and then you move into the business, it really makes it more authentic because you can hear me talking from my heart. And I just think that no matter where you are, that's that's something we all have in common. And so it taught me that. Um, yeah, so I, I like that part. But the other thing it taught me was to always say yes. So if you put if you give me a challenge, I like to say yes, not no. And sometimes I find that especially women, if they have one of the criteria that they don't meet, they'll say no. Where a man, if he has one criteria, he'll say, yeah, so let's yes. do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, I just decided when I was really young that I was going to start saying yes and I would figure it out. And so I'd, hopefully I'm teaching my daughters and then all the people that I mentor that as yeah. well. And I see it worked for you. It's yeah, I've been very lucky. I would say that, you know, it you don't get where I'm at without two things. One of them luck and the other one is a great team. Right. So I'm a result of all the people that have ever worked with me and for me or on my behalf. Two positions and quite big positions where you are at today, which is, as we said in the beginning, uh, chief commercial officer and chief marketing officer. Can you shed a little bit of light on the responsibilities that come with such positions? Of course. Um, so first of all, remember when I told you I say yes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So chief commercial officer is what I came to do originally. 
Um, and that meant building businesses, being able to figure out how to take um, products to market. Um, it comes with a little bit of marketing, but more the product marketing and the events part of it. Well, when our chief marketing officer left, there was nobody that had any marketing experience except for me. And so that's how I became the acting CMO. And that's been like, I don't know, 14 or 15 months ago. So um, I also, in the meantime, have taken over a CEO role of the Autonomous Venture Studios. So I have three, but I'm looking to shed some. Days are full. I mean, you're in the office <laughs> 15, 16 hours. That's true. Is, Maybe is that more. About? Yeah. How do you how do you switch off? How do you de-stress when you get back home? Wow. So I'm not good at this. Um, you know, everybody needs to know their strengths and weaknesses. So I will tell you that for years, I wanted to be what I hear in the news and what I see on TV, the woman that could do it all. You could do it all. You could have it all. You could be it all. And one of the things I've learned with age is you actually can't be it all and do it all and have it all all at the same time. Right. So sometimes you're a great mom and sometimes you're a great spouse and sometimes you're a really good worker, but it's hard to do all on the same day. So for me, I can't turn it off. I can't turn off any of those pieces of me. So I give 100% of what I am in that moment. And then when I get to my next moment, I try to give 100% there. And sometimes that means there's not enough left for yourself. And I wish I had that. Like, I, I wish if I could teach. And, and my people will tell you, I preach to them. Like, I, I tell them, do not follow my example. I'm not, I actually don't believe I'm a good example in this. I think that you should have balance. You should know how to shut it off. You should have other outlets. You should take your vacation, which I never do. I mean, you should really take the time to take care of yourself so that you can be good for others. So I'm learning, but I'm still learning. Is this something that was part of your DNA even back in college? Um, I think my mom said it started when I was about three. So I had a lemonade stand and I had to bake cookies and cake because lemonade wasn't enough to sell. And I think it started then and it just never stopped. Wow, Beverly, that's... Um, <laughs> I know. And my first full-time job when I was 13. Like I just went and found a job because I wanted to work. Yeah. And I've been like that. I, d I don't know where it came from. A real go-getter. Well, maybe Ma it came from my mom. <laughs> Mas mashallah, as we say. Right? <laughs> How are you going about sourcing the tech-savvy you know, not just within Saudi's borders, but, mm. but also, you know, regionally, what kind of training and development programs would you say are available mm. for, for autonomous, for those tech savvy people in the region who want to get involved? Well, so I would say, first of all, you don't have to be tech savvy. There's, there's jobs for everybody. We have positions in every category and every sector inside of a, a company. Um, but for those that want technology, we're looking for all the people from the college graduates or the college interns all the way through people like me that are on their last job. So it's really um, about creating an ecosystem and having people not feel that they have to leave in order to find technology jobs or find jobs inside of technology companies. And one of the things we're doing in order to encourage that is to create an ecosystem throughout the world with multiple offices and being able to have people rotate throughout those offices so that you can share knowledge, you can share ideas. There's really inclusion of thought, which is something you can't have if everybody stays in one region yeah. or is from one region. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I on purposely asked this question to you as well because I, because I asked Joseph Bradley that earlier when I spoke to him. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, we're not just about tech. Right. Uh, we're not just a, you know, end all be all tech. You know, we, we aspire to attract way more than the people who are just into tech. And uh, and that's something that I would like the Saudi and the region populace to know that Neom is just not for the tech centric uh, future employees. Which no, is, yeah. absolutely. I'm so glad that we were consistent. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's testing you. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, we live in a world where equality, diversity, mm. inclusion, all these words are kind of high up on the priorities of corporations. And I'm sure no different than Neom. Yeah. Um, how would you say that you incorporate it within your workforce? Yeah, so, well, people will tell you I might have too much inclusion on my team. Um, I have personally 26 nationalities, um, a multitude of ethnicities, and a lot of women. <laughs> on my team. Um, it's actually coincidental, though, because I'll, I would also tell you that I look for the very best person for each job. And while I'm super specific on the top of the funnel to make sure that we have an inclusive um, an inclusive cast of characters that we're looking at, I always take that. And as I funnel down, it's about 
who was the best person in that interview, who was the best person in that test when we do our our group scenarios, who who did the best, right? And so I'm really looking for the best person, and I think that can be anybody. Mm-hmm. So I've been super fortunate to have a really inclusive team, but I think it's more because of how we do the funnel at the top, and so we have an even slate of candidates. Can you think a lot of mentor of yours who taught you yeah. all, all of this? Where did where did you get it from? Wow. I've had so many mentors. Um, No, I can't give you one because I have been fortunate in my life. Like I said, I've always, I don't know. I I feel like I've been so lucky in my life. I started in a, you know, probably not the way everybody would think was ideal, but what that taught me was integrity and work ethic. And then I moved into corporations where there weren't a lot of women and where there was a lot of bias. And I just never considered it applied to me. And therefore it didn't. I was so I feel like I was lucky and I have had both men and women that have mentored me over the years. But I always have a mentor. And if I if my mentor for some reasons, like I've had mentors pass away, I immediately go and, you know, I mourn. But I at the same time, I I go and I find somebody else because I think we should always be learning. Like right now, one of my kids is mentoring me a ton because she's teaching me patience. (laughs) She's teaching me, you know, how to look at life a little bit differently than I originally thought. And she's questioning the principles that I normally govern my life with. And so, you know, to me, even that's a learning and a mentorship. It actually, you know, it sheds light on a on a saying that I came across before I had my five year old, which is your your kids might teach you maybe even a little bit more than you teach them about yourself. Yes, for sure. I don't think I had patience before I had my five-year-old today. Right. And 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 here I am. I think a lot more patient at the age of 39 than I was at 34 when I had him. He taught me how to be patient. Yeah. Just when you thought it's one-way communication. No, it's two-way. They'll teach you a little something about yourself. Well, no, and you think like, so I, I talk about this a little bit because it's a new phenomena, the metaverse. And um, one of the things is when my son, like 10 years ago, was playing video games all the time, I just thought that that was the worst thing ever. And he was developing these relationships online and that scared me. But now he has lifelong friendships he's created with real people. And they talk every day where I talk to my friends maybe once a month. And they're talking every day. And so where I thought before that that separated you from reality and relationships and being able to deal with others, it actually has turned out his metaverse experience has brought him closer in a larger community than I would have in a worldwide one. So his worldview is wider than mine. Relationships that he's made online? Online. He's had them for over 10 years. That changes everything with the way you are able to make relationships. Yes. You know, with the way we with the way we grew up, we, you know, you're friends with the people that live in your town or your city. Exactly. And now you can be friends with someone who's in Saudi Arabia and the other person on the other side from Pennsylvania. And it shares. So the inclusive ideas of like how you live your life that's shared on a day to day basis. So his idea of what the world looks like is completely different than mine because he's more accepting because he's had more experience with others. That's extraordinary. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's really changed my vantage point. Truly. See, our kids teach us a lot. Exactly. <laughs> How's the use of advanced tech-based programs and modern approaches to training uh, implemented in autonomous? I mean, can you give examples on the different approaches that are used to how training is tackled today? Yeah. Well, the most important one is that we have remote groups. So we're just talking about how you can be anywhere in the world. Well, to have high effective teams that are located in multiple locations or even working remotely like during COVID, that has been for me the most important use of technology because you have to be highly effective. You can actually be in multiple geographies and multiple time zones. So you can create a 24 hour workday, even though people are only working one shift. And so that allows your, um, not just your programming, but really your idea of product production and product development to triple in, or I should say, decrease by a third, right? So what would normally take a day now takes a third of a day. And so if you can do in eight hours, imagine over the course of years, how that allows you to develop and to expand. And then also, I would say, from a teaming perspective, even though people are alone, they're able to share and to function as if they're together. And I think for me, technology has allowed us to have that, this diverse work group that's really effective together. I think one thing that COVID has taught companies, or at least the smart ones, is that not everyone needs to report to the office. 
you can actually save a little bit on your overhead by having people work from home. Yes, absolutely. In fact, when I was at Hitachi, we were closing down offices because we had so many people work from home. We had 360,000 people that reported up to us. And the, if you imagine that number of people, and then everybody stayed home for two years. So we had however many buildings that took around the world, a thousand buildings that we had. And so you didn't need all that real estate anymore. And it was really how to redeploy those assets in new and different ways. Yeah. World's changed. It has. In many ways. Very quickly. What have you learned? I'm going on the personal yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned throughout your career yeah. um, that you can pass on as advice to people who are yeah. on the cusp of entering the workforce? Yeah, so I'll suppose first speak just as a woman in business. Um, I tend to avoid that topic, but there's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is that you don't have to lose your femininity in order to be in the workforce. You don't have to, like the qualities that we have as a woman or as a man are individual to us and they should be celebrated. They don't have to be normalized so that we're all the same. I think that the fact that women tend to be very nurturing, it's a beautiful thing about them. You know, I tend to wear dresses. And so, you know, I haven't, I haven't started wearing suits every day just because I'm now a higher person up in a company, right? So I think that really embracing who you are and your individuality and not conforming is a, is a really good thing. I, that would be my number one thing that I've been thinking about. And the other thing is, is to never let your natural curiosity get deflated, right? So always, if you're an internal entrepreneur, you can do that inside a company, if you believe in a certain process and you want to push that process, you need to present it to everybody, right? So don't don't let yourself get stuck in a rut. Keep believing in yourself and continuing to push your ideas forward because that's really how you'll be successful. Totally. There's a famous uh, Jim Carrey saying, your need to fit in will make you invisible to the world. If you have an yes. idea, just to double down on what you just said. Yeah. Show the world your crazy, if you will, you know, exactly. paint your picture. Well, I just think it's so important. I think we're trying to, well, I believe that social media has really created this need in the world to not be yourself and to be something that the public expects you to be instead of who you really are. So true. And I really think we have to go back to being who we are who we and are. accepting who we are and celebrating who yeah. we are, and not trying to all be the same. Absolutely. And I'll take it a step further to not try to be someone else because that person's taken. Exactly. <laughs> like, yes. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. A typical day for you. I wanted to start with this question, but <laughs> I was told to, to close with it. <laughs> A oh. typical day for you uh, up in Neom. Okay. In Neom specifically? <laughs> um, how about you tackle it the way you want? What does okay. a typical day for, for Beverly Ryder look like? Okay. So I wake up somewhere between 2 and 3 a.m. It depends where I'm at in the world. Um, so if I'm in the United States, I wake up at 11 p.m. so that I can start the day at midnight because that's 7 a.m. Saudi time and 8 a.m. Dubai time. And so I start early and then I work for like the next 12 hours and get on calls and have meetings and all of that so that I can be real and real time with my employees. And then I also have this company in California that I run. And so then I do the afternoon shift there. And then I make dinner and spend dinner with my family and do homework with my kids and fill out college applications and take a nap and start over again. So that's my weekdays. And then my weekends are about rejuvenation. Beverly, I'm sweating just <laughs> hearing that you have to start your day at 11 p.m. You're probably in well, bed that's by when I'm noon. In the United States. And so that's when I'm in the United States. And then when I'm in um, Saudi, I wake up between two and three. So I get to sleep extra. And then I get up, I get through all my emails. I go in and talk to everybody in the office because I wanted everybody to know I'm there. I go meet with all of my colleagues and the different pieces of Neom, the BUs as well as the sectors. And then I come back at the end of the day and do more phone calls and finish up with my emails and go eat in the mess hall. And if I'm lucky, I'll get to work out. And no vacations. Well, I try to vacation <laughs> and I'm getting better at it. My staff would tell you I'm really trying to take vacations. I really am. I'm working harder and harder at it. It's important. You know, in a world where everyone tries to stay away from the office more and more and more vacations, here you are doing the opposite. You're well, one of a kind. I figure I'm going to be on a full-time vacation once I retire. How about that? Flo right? Florida. So, exactly. Or wherever <laughs> I go. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, I'd like to close with this question. Um, I did not present this to Joseph Bradley. I wish I did. Um, a billboard anywhere in the world with any message 
is there a um, how would you put together a billboard to portray a message to the world from Beverly Ryder? Oh. Well, mine would say, say yes. Um, but <laughs> if I was really branding myself and rather than just giving my motto, I probably would say kindness. Kindness. I think that we have too little kindness now. Yeah. Everyone's all about me, me, me. You know, just not to counter what you said, but... Yeah. You know, I listened to some of these gurus and the common message from them, funnily enough, is watch your life improve the more you say no. Yeah. And and I believe that for a while. But now with you saying say yes and then figure it out on the fly. Oh, but that, they mean it differently than I do. So I agree with them. So it's saying no when to say no. So you have more time to say yes. It doesn't really mean say no in general. It means say no to the things that you shouldn't be saying yes to. So you can really focus on your yeses. Kind of like you only have X amount of yeses to give. Exactly. So choose them wisely. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think they mean. It's a big takeaway from this talk, by the way. Okay. Well, that's what I took it to mean that because I like to say yes. <laughs> Makes sense now. Yeah. Because when you said it earlier, I was like, but I was told that watch your life improve the more you say no. But. No, you, you just don't say yes to everything. Be very, very selective and forensic exactly. with the yeses that you do give. Exactly. Yes. And I think it's it's no different than email. If you get a thousand emails and you only have time to do 200, you pick the 200 that apply the most to what you're responsible mm. for. And you send the other 800 to other people yeah. or you hope to <laughs> delegate. <laughs> right. And so I think you have to look at your yeses in that same way. Yeah. Right. What 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 gives you the most reach? What can make the most impact from whatever yes you want to yeah. say? Yeah. Makes sense, totally. Thank you for those words of wisdom, You're honestly. And thank you for what you do for us. Oh, I appreciate um, I, I love the part that you play in, in Neom, which is my favorite project in my country. Oh, yay. And, um, and thank you for your contribution. And when you do retire, hopefully, it's not anytime soon. Yes. <laughs> but when you do, you know, well-deserved. And I hope you have a lovely one. Right, and cool. thanks for sparing time for me today. Mo, it has been a total pleasure. Likewise. Thank you, Beverly. You're welcome. I really like that. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that was great. <laughs> oh. You're going to make this one a dance. Yeah. 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 Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We are back for the third and final segment here at Jitex 2022 with uh, Autonomous Neom. I'm here with Anand Michiri, who's the CEO of Indicara. Anand, thank you so much for joining me. Delighted to be here, Mo. How's your day been so far at Jitex? Very good. I came in yesterday from Dublin and uh, spent the day so far look, you know, listening to talks and visiting a few stands. Great show. It's my first Jitex year, and I've lived in Dubai five years ago, many years ago. Um, and it's busy, like it's uh, there's a lot of action. A lot of action, a lot of action. So many halls, so, you know, it's, it is much bigger than what I expected. Can you tell us a little bit about what Invicara does as an elevator pitch, if you will? Sure. Invicara is the developer of um, <clears throat> an operating system to create highly composable digital twin platforms. Um, essentially, what digital twins mean is that um, you have to create a virtual representation of the real world if you want to interact with it virtually. And these virtual representations can come from many different data sources. It could be uh, urban planning information, including things like land uses, mobility options, uh, construction phasing information, uh, could be economic data, demographic data. Uh, it could be detailed design information, construction information, and operational information. So there's so many different types of data that goes to creating a digital twin. So what we do is we, create, we have created this operating system that can be used to build out these platforms that can be used to twin the world. Is this where metaverse plays a role as well? You, you, there is an adjacency. Like if you look at the metaverse, 
Uh, it's a more an umbrella term for many different experiences. The metaverse, um, as in fact Joseph spoke this morning today at the at the main stage, um, the metaverse is a is a uh, confluence of a created virtual world with the physical world, right? But the physical world cannot really interact with the virtual. So digital twinning is a process of bringing the physical world into the metaverse in some respects. But it also has a purpose outside of the metaverse. I'm, I'm coming into this world slowly. It's not something I knew much about. And, and my God, in one day, I feel like I've, <laughs> I know just about enough to... Yeah. To ask some more interesting questions. Please do. Um, your role, um, primary objective, of course, is leading the company. Can you tell us a, a little bit about what um, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of the company. And my personal goals are, have been to be the vision holder for the company. Right. Uh, the whole uh, envisioning what we must do as a company, keep staying in focus, uh, in the software world, focus is everything, right? But at the same time, we can't lose sight of the long-term view of what we need to do. We just can't be here and now. So my main job is to make sure that, uh, that, that the organization is aligned around the long-term vision and, and, and driving that. And that also means you could have the right people. That would be the, my next focus, making sure we have the right team, they are motivated. And apart from all that, I, I may claim to be the the best salesman for the company as well. Where does Neom slash Autonomous fit into your touch point? Like, where do they come in and, um, and, and, and what's the relationship like? Yeah. So we got engaged with Neom, in fact, initially with Neom Projects, where they brought us in as an expert consultant to advise them on a data classification strategy for Neom Project Information. Uh, along the way, as we got engaged into that, uh, into that conversation, uh, we interviewed several stakeholders in Neom. We met with uh, teams from Autonomous and it was like magic. They immediately understood what we were doing. They could, they, we had a shared vision uh, from the get-go and one thing led to the other. And now <clears throat> uh, we are a co-creation partner. Uh, co-creation is, is about transparently working with each other to create value. So we have licensed our operating system to Autonomous to bootstrap the digital twin exchange or the DTX platform, which allows us to continue to develop it ourselves and continue to provide Autonomous with the improvements, but equally allows Autonomous to build code extensions and, and, and take it forward in, in its own context for its own clients as well. In my preparation for your talk, there is something called digital tuning that I don't know much about. So can you educate me a little bit on that front? Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, digital twinning is about, like I was alluding to earlier, creating a virtual representation of a real world. Uh, twinning as a process involves many different types of graphical and data sources. So it may be GIS data, for example if you're talking about widely spread uh, geographical information. It could be about urban planning concept models. It could be about, for example, the line. Um, it is a phenomenal concept, but before the concept was actually put on the ground, it was twinned uh, using its urban planning, uh, urban plan uh, concepts. And then it was simulated to make sure that the five minute neighborhood was actually a reality. So that was done on the DTX platform, uh, for example. So the twinning is a foundational layer where you create the world model, whatever is your world, whatever is your world, right? So you could start with urban planning concepts and progressively mature it with more and more detail, like infrastructure, road networks, rail networks, energy infrastructure, water infrastructure. So it progressively grows. The world model progressively grows as the development advances over time. And at some point, it, go, it goes so detailed that you actually know which diffuser is serving, providing fresh air into which room, in a hotel room or in an office, connected to which uh, fan call unit. And so the whole system representations, 
it goes to a very high level of detail. So the process of twinning is a progressive maturation of design information. And that's the foundation. The foundation then, the process of twinning, allows us, uh, us meaning the development, development partners, to build solutions that leverage this world model. For example, simulating an environment, simulating livability, or simulating uh, climate conditions, microclimate conditions, uh, or it could be about uh, uh, validating design concepts, or it could be about generating construction insights, or it could be about asset management, maintenance management, creating a healthy building, uh, optimizing energy and reducing carbon intensity. So all of these are examples of digital twin enabled solutions, right? But those solutions are built on top of the world model, right? So you, your question was, what's twinning? Twinning is about creating that world model and then that powers the solutions that sit on top. Thank you for explaining that. And, and you did very, very well because now I understand what it is exactly. Simulation is a word that sits in my mind. I might translate it to almost like a dress rehearsal of what the final product will be like. Will it work before we construct it? Mm -hmm. Let's put it on this software and see if what's in our mind will make sense. Hence twin, there's this and, exactly. then, and, then, and then that comes. Exactly, and this, this applies to even operations after it is built. How do I know how to optimize the performance of my chiller and what impact that, is, that has on the indoor air quality and energy, for example? Uh, they are distinct things, but very interconnected. So digital twins help even in those scenarios. Anand, you look like a very ambitious person. I wanna ask who has influenced you throughout your career to, to get to the point where you're at today? That's an interesting question. So <clears throat> my father, actually. My father was a, was a career executive. He started as an accountant and ended as the president of a chemical, mid-sized chemical company. First job, last job, lifetime, right? And even as a very young uh, boy, he used, to, he used to encourage me to try and do something on my own. Um, I guess he recognized that you can get more fulfillment uh, by being an entrepreneur. That kind of got into my head, to be honest. And when I finished my engineering uh, undergraduation in electrical electronics engineering, the first thing I did was start, build a startup. I was 22 years old, no experience, um, not enough training, and built a startup which failed and learned. What was it? Uh, it was, uh, you know, I was back in India at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, I built a company, a small company, to manufacture uh, security control equipment in a market, in a, in a country where there was no market for that, that kind of technology at that time. So I learned, uh, you know, you cannot put the cart in front of the horse, right? So you got to have a market to build a product and then you got to know how to take it to market. So things I had never, never learned before, I learned it the hard way. Um, yeah, and then... It's the best way to learn. Yeah, exactly, the hard way. What a story, fantastic. You probably see a lot of entrepreneurs that come, you know, through your doors or in your, or in your walks of life. Yeah. What would you say in your opinion, is the best qualities that an entrepreneur should have? That's something I've thought about, actually, right? So, <clears throat> in my view, at least, there's one quality that's super critical. And that quality is really about being, not just surviving, but actually the ability to thrive in uncertainty. Yeah. An entrepreneur is someone who needs to be prepared for extreme uncertainties in his or her journey. And at every stage, the problems are different. When you are a one-person, maybe two-person company, if you're starting from that bootstrap situation to your, your first $1 million revenue, $10 million revenue, your, your team of 100, at every stage, you have entirely new problems. So, so many uncertainties that you face. Um, so in my view, uh, I would say if someone is comfortable with uncertainty, go ahead, be an entrepreneur. If uncertainty is not for you, think again. I was watching a podcast yesterday with uh, Simon Sinek. He's an author and, you know, mashallah, yeah. very influential guy. And he said, 
you know, the, the, the people that get paid for the top jobs, they get paid for that to put up a sail in a storm, not to put up a sail when things are calm. Perfect. Are you able to put up a main sail in a storm? If you think you are able to, then you could potentially be qualified for a leadership position. I love that. Yeah. I may borrow it. it no, please do. <laughs> it's Simon Sinek, a yeah. guy who, okay. like, whenever I see any of his content on YouTube, I'm like, I want to listen to what he says. All right. He actually wrote a book called um, Start With Why. Ask yourself why. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go there? Why? Find out what your why is. Yeah. And then you'll find out, you know, what it is that you want in life. I'm actually reminded, uh, when you said that, something, something, uh, you know, light bulb went on my head. Please. I was again 22, 23, about 30, 30 years ago. And I was sitting over dinner with a very senior business person from Singapore. And he was asking me, why do you want to be in business? You're such a young guy. You've, you've not, you're just out of school. Uh, he actually said, tell me why. And I did not have an answer. Except by except saying, oh, my father was was influential in my wanting to be an entrepreneur. And his answer was, that's your father's reason. What's your, your reason? reason? Yeah. Why do you want to be in business? <laughs> and I said to him, I, I, he said, okay, think about it. Don't tell me straight away. I'm going to eat, you know, eat my dinner. You're going to think about it and tell me. And after five minutes, I said to him, I can't give you one answer. I guess it's because I want to be you know, rich and known in the society and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And then he gave me one piece of advice. And he basically said, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, define what success means to you and go after it. Everything else is a consequence. Everything else that you said is a consequence. And that's so st stuck to my head uh, that has defined my entire career. It's amazing. Is that what you pass on to your kids? What advice do you have for them? Um, well, I don't uh, honestly try and influence their views of the world and what they want to do. I don't uh, actively encourage them to be an entrepreneur. I like them to find their purpose. Um, I have two girls. They're very different. One is more science oriented. She just uh, graduated as a new, uh, with neuroscience major. And my younger girl is finishing school. She wants to be a journalist. I don't know what they're going to do. But I try not to influence them. I try and give them as much exposure as possible and possibilities. I, I try and encourage them to be initiative driven. That's about it, to be honest. Yeah. It's all you can wish for, you know. It's, it's, it must be really nice, like having, you know, two siblings that are so diverse. Yeah. Um, different ambitions, different aspirations and... Um, and all we can really be, I mean, is a support system. I have a son who's five, so I'm just learning how to. Right. Um, but thank you, honestly, for sharing what you did. Uh, many things I will obviously incorporate in, 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 in my life. Um, and, and thank you for your time. Honestly, wish you the yeah, best. Pleasure is absolutely mine, uh, Mo. Uh, glad you asked me. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. And good luck with the project in New York and, 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 and your future projects. Thank and you. hopefully we, uh, we cross paths again. I would look forward to that. Yes, inshallah. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much, Mr. Yeah, Renan. Bye. Thank you. Okay, that's it.